Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Naked Data Science, the number one podcast on leading data science projects and teams in the real world. We skipped last week because of the coronavirus outbreak in Europe. Both Nima and I live in the Netherlands. We had to adjust to a new social order in daily life, and also a fully remote work environment. Many of you probably have done the same. Our best wishes go to you, your family, and the people you care about. We will resume weekly update from now. In this episode, Nima and I talk about a mental model that we use every day in data science work: black box thinking. We will show you how to apply it to find common language between business and data science people, how to avoid the pitfall of shiny solutions, translating complex business needs to tangible requirements, and making your work more meaningful. Enjoy. If tomorrow someone new comes in, a new data science team lead who wants to lead data science projects and teams. What things do they need to learn? Probably, it's just about eight to ten mental models. Yeah, something in this range. In this episode and upcoming episodes, we'll just talk about those mental models, right? So, a mental model is a practical tool that you can use to apply on different situations. So, the first mental model is black box thinking. Black box thinking. What is black box thinking? What what is the problem we are trying to solve? For example, at the beginning of the quarter, we will be talking about what we are going to do. What are the projects that we are trying to deliver? And then we agree on these are the problem we are trying to solve, and these are the kind of solution that we want to make. But then I see this again and again that there's a natural tendency for data science work to drift away into terminologies, languages. Even conclusions that is very difficult to connect to the real <laughs> life problem that they are trying to solve. I agree with you there. I think there are a bunch of reasons that contribute to this. On one hand, the work that we are doing is typically complex and challenging.、Uh, it needs a lot of creativity in, in many cases. From a practical perspective, just implementing your ideas can be quite challenging as well.、Eh? We can we can run into a lot of problems with, with a simple technical issue. Can take you sometimes one or two days to solve. Which you didn't predict beforehand. On a lot of levels, finding the solution and the shape of the solution, the methods you're using can be very consuming of your thought and energy. This is causing a lot of data science work to drift into details, to go perhaps too deep into some branches, or, or go away from the original direction that they were supposed to go. Sometimes looking as a very natural progression of the work. Every day, compared to the previous one, you you might be taking very small steps、uh, away from、uh, where you started with. But in a week or two, you can really end up、uh, solving quite a different problem than 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 the one you started with, or solving one of the sub problems that 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 you had to face when you first started、uh, on a journey. And black box thinking, I think, is a mental model, a, a very simple one that is very powerful in in dealing with this. Yeah. So then let's talk about what is black box thinking、yeah. and、um, how. How people can use it. Okay. To put it very simply, black box thinking is focusing on the outputs, abstracting away all the complexities of the work that you're dealing with, considering a very simple picture of input, a huge black box, and the output that comes out of it, as a way to depict and look at your work. Of course, every work can can be drawn like this. Probably your inputs are different for different projects, but make it clear to you what is already available and what is needed for your work to go on. The black box itself suddenly masks away all the complexities of the systems and methods that 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 you're working on, and the output is the real focus of 
uh, of this picture, focusing on what you're producing by your work, what problem you're solving uh, with your work. I think this picture is easy to extend and it uh, gives you a very simple tool to think about the impact of your work by saying where does this output go, and just making a next connection to it. As a mental model, it's probably exactly what the name says and, and it's as probably the simplest mental model that could be out there. But in effect, I found it and we've seen it to be one of the most powerful ones in helping data scientists and data science work to go in the right direction. And I would argue that not only data science work, but also on the business side. Yeah. Because a lot of times business and product people do have difficulty talking the same language as data scientists. But then if you really abstract all of those things away, imagine you don't know how certain solution is done. Mm -hmm. You are only allowed to look at what is the input of that data-driven solution and what is the output, then you certainly are looking at a level that allows business and product people to talk about these output using the same language as data scientists. That leads directly to the first use case about black box thinking, helping data science work to focus on the right problem to solve. I think we have quite a lot of examples of this, yeah? Yeah, we have a lot, and uh, I've been guilty of making a lot of mistakes, of making a lot of faults, maybe not using black box thinking, or not advocating the use of black box thinking myself. One of the problems that we worked on was trying to come up with how good accommodation is with respect to different concepts. For instance, how good is this amenity uh, in this place? How good is a swimming pool somewhere? How good is the service or the food at some hotel or, or some kind of accommodation? That was a task we were given. When we started working on this, it was kind of decided that we're going to use reviews that people write about the place as a main source of extracting this information. So this is not a unique solution, this has been done before, this is kind of a known uh, solution to the problem of coming up with quality of concepts. And the solution typically relies on doing sentiment analysis, analyzing text, doing natural language processing, and coming up with those answers, coming up with the identification of what people said about the place, what were positives and which were the negatives. And we started the same way, analyzing reviews, building a lot of machinery, pipelines that, that process them, and trying to extract these sentiments. And that was a challenging task. Each of the components in, in this natural language processing uh, pipeline had to be optimized. They have, to, they have to give good results and of course at the end of the pipeline you had the sentiment and that had to be correct as well. There was a lot of time spent on making a proper system for doing this. But during this whole time thinking about the problem was that once we have the sentiments we'll put them together and we'll come up with some form of numerical score. And that's how it's done in a lot of places as well. It is done probably in, a, in even academic publications like that. that was novel at some point. And that was a very big mistake we kind of treated part of the steps that we had to go through as a trivial one and even not looking at it as a data scientist. Our idea was that we'll somehow put this together. We make, maybe we add the positives and negatives and divide by the number of all and that should be good enough. On the other hand, we spent so much time on optimizing our segmenter or our sentiment detector, it had to be perfect. But we we put really little effort on the last part of the pipeline that, that we needed for scoring. When we got to actually delivering our work, that was the time when we realized that we need something here, and we came up with something super fast. I remember the day that we were giving a demo of them for the first time, I had a really bad feeling, because I didn't feel on top of the work that we, that we had done, and I didn't feel that we spent appropriate amount of time on the different steps of uh, solving, solving this problem. So that was where missing 
backbox thinking uh, made us spend at least too much time on, on the wrong sub-problems and too little time on the others and very little time evaluating and then measuring the final output of the work that we had and thinking about ways of presenting that, that final output. I believe in, if in that case we have applied this mental model, we would very soon find out that the final output of this work is not review sentiments. The final output is something on the level of an accommodation. So, so there's this big aggregation that needs to happen, at least on the level of accommodation. And of course, the, there's also the relation of the output among the different accommodations and how they compare to each other, which is super important. Unfortunately, we missed that the first time we were busy with the problem. Yeah, and I also know the story afterwards, because then <laughs> we start working together on the same challenge. What is quite interesting is that once we start applying black box thinking to this problem, we ask ourselves, okay, if we look at the solution we are building as a black box, the quality score about the swimming pool at this hotel need to come out, how would we evaluate that? What does good quality mean? And starting from there, actually, that allow us to look at this problem more holistically and also look beyond the originally predetermined solution of using sentiment analysis. Absolutely. We still look at sentiments, but together with a bunch of other things. As a team, we start expanding the type of tools, the type of algorithms, and that really brought us much further than the original attempt on this problem. When you do black box thinking, you're forced to think about your final quality KPIs. You're, you're forced to think about the users of your work. I believe these are super valuable reminders, at least. Yeah? So, so, so these mental models are not groundbreaking uh, in any way in introducing uh, new theory. But then these are really practical mental models that, that daily can be applied to your work and, and hopefully improve your work. Yeah. Speaking about that, a second use case for the black box thinking, we have both seen this a lot in, in our work, which is whenever we try to use some new shiny data science solutions or techniques or algorithms, we tend to compare them to existing solutions, not based on output, but actually on the complexity of the techniques or how novel the technique is or how sophisticated the system is. Yeah. And black box thinking help us to avoid a mistake. Black box thinking kind of makes it illegal to do this. <laughs> <laughs> when we were doing the sentiment analysis for reviews, the main thinking behind it was that we know that these sentiment analyzers give good performance, so the score should be good. And that's really a wrong way of thinking about this problem because we really had a, a big part of the problem to solve, which was how do you put these sentiments together and how do you make a score? How should this score, for instance, be readable? How should this score be, be used in different uh, ranking algorithms? And, and then focusing on we have good sentiment analysis was uh, diverting our attention from thinking in the right way. And also that makes it quite difficult from the business and product perspective to really see the value we are delivering through the data science world. It's very difficult for them, for the business to judge, okay, it seems to be that we can get something out of this new shiny solution, but how good really is that? And I think from a business perspective, a lot of times a new shiny solution is not necessarily a better solution. Yeah, definitely not. At least you should look at that from the lens of if there are two black boxes, I don't know how these things are done, each gives certain output, which black box gives higher quality data or data that are better suited for the intended use of that solution. When you, th when you talk about it, it seems to be a very trivial kind of comparison to do. But 
Also businesses miss this a lot. In our story, for instance, when we presented our progress results on analyzing sentiments, it was always well received. Of course, the work was not finished, but for a, for a very long time, they seem to be also talking to us in terms of KPIs, in terms of the metrics, in terms of the output that we were presenting them. And that's why the point you mentioned in the beginning is very critical, that black box thinking is one of the best tools that non-data scientists can use. It provides a middle ground, a, re a really beautiful lang common language to speak with that both business and data science side can use. And there might be no more gap in understanding when, when you do this. Yeah, because having that common language is super important in the sense that it allows the feedback loop between data science and business side to be much faster. You don't need to wait until the end of the project. You don't need to wait until the data set or API that you deliver is deployed into production. You can get feedback a lot earlier than that. Absolutely. Chances are, without a few rounds of feedback, you are not on the right direction. Absolutely. Without a few rounds of feedback, you're probably not even solving the right problem. So speaking that common language really allows you to get that feedback loop going. I think this leads to another use case that is a bit hidden, which is when you apply black box thinking, you can really easily translate complex business needs to tangible requirements and success criteria for potential data science work. A lot of times we both have seen this, that business has certain needs, certain wishes. We want to have data-driven solution that support this certain strategic initiative. What does that mean? Not entirely sure. Then you start talking to different stakeholders from the C-level to individual contributors in adjacent teams. And then you start seeing, okay, this is the need for this person. This is the need for this team. And then at the end, you come out, you end up with a very complex picture. And then black box thinking is a tool that actually you can apply. You say, okay, given all this complexity, all these complex needs, what is the output? of our black box. And in order to deliver those output, what are the input that we need? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's really invaluable uh, in that sense. And it should be applied and it should be used uh, a lot more often in, in the same way that you just mentioned. Yeah. It, it sounds intuitive, but then you don't quite often see that in the business. Yeah, it's a surprise to me as well. I feel there's there might be some safety, some feeling of safety in keeping things vague. A lot of times from a data scientist perspective, it's scary to make things super concrete, to put a real minimum threshold on, on the performance of some metric. But then it's mostly avoiding a question or a problem that should be done uh, later. And it might be also a mental model that's not as popular as we think it should be. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those things that you would assume that a lot more people would apply on a daily basis, but then somehow doesn't. And linking to the complexity or the reluctance to commit to a certain definition of the problem or certain criteria of what is good output for this project, I understand from a business perspective, sometimes it is tempting mm -hmm. to say, you know, we are at this stage that we are still sorting out the strategy, we are still sorting out the specific product direction, there are a lot of different user needs, customer behaviors we need to take into consideration. But still, for the purpose of guiding data-driven work and, and data science work, it is still much better to be able to talk with data scientists in the terms of, okay, what is the output that we really want to get from your work? And the worst case scenario is later we change some of them, yeah. right? We iterate because data science work has this property of 
you don't really start understanding the problem you're trying to solve until you start working on a solution. So that means that as long as we keep what is the output of the black box relatively open, at least in early iterations of work, through iterations, then we can get to a stage where we come to a more well thought of and tested definition of what is good quality output, what is high business value output. Yeah, maybe there's some confusion there between giving the liberty and freedom to data scientists to be creative and, and to explore and find solutions versus expecting results. On the one hand, businesses a lot of time have this idea or, or, or know about these rules that data science can be unpredictable, uh, you can get uh, millions of value out of it suddenly, if you give your data scientists the room to explore and to experiment. You kind of leave that black box to be the, black, the biggest blackest box without any specific outcome that, that comes out of it. On the other hand, having some direction can actually be very helpful for data science, because even if there are infinite possibilities out there, some kind of prioritization is always helpful, some kind of focus on, on the right problems to solve, uh, having the business context, knowing the business expectations is always super helpful. That kind of distance that we talked about before, I believe, is responsible a lot of times for even not defining this black box, at least on, on the correct abstraction level. When you leave everything open, you stay very far from, from your data science work, I believe it has more of a detrimental effect than, than, than a positive effect of allowing data scientists to be, be free and liberated. Yeah, I agree. Actually, in our experience, we have seen the best result comes when data scientists and business can both contribute to the solution uh, through frequent exchanges, through meaningful discussions, in, or in order to do that common language and using black box thinking could be a very effective way to go. That brings us to the last use case, which is there's not only one level of black box. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's a very simple mental model and it can easily be applied on different levels of abstraction or different levels of uh, scope in, uh, in a way. Uh, you can think about the work you're doing today, just, just the problem you're solving today as a black box. So, so you're working in a team of data scientists, you have a problem at hand. Think about it as a black box. Think what are, the, what are your inputs? What is the output that you want to generate? Probably you find that your work is a part of the bigger picture of solving a problem that your colleagues are also working on. So you can immediately imagine a bigger black box that is now covering all of the work that this team is busy with. That black box also has its own inputs and outputs. Now you have a black box that can be connected to other black boxes. You can follow the path from this black box into black boxes on the same level or even black boxes containing it to picture the whole value chain. So if you're working in a company, one of the biggest black boxes you can picture is, is your company and how it's functioning in the world. One level below might be the, the most important departments that are there and, and the information and data or the value that's being transmitted between them. Black box thinking is a very good stepping stone at least to start drawing the a bigger picture or, or the biggest picture that, that can contain your work uh, and its impact. And I think that is very helpful in the sense that once you start not only looking at your own work as a black box, but then how your work is going to be used by another adjacent yeah, team, sure and how that work is going to be used by another team end-to-end -end from whatever the input of your organization is to the final output usually it's some kind of monetary value or at least growth target of user base. 
Now, that allows you to see the full impact of your work. It also allows you to really think about if I make some changes here, if I improve my data coverage or quality or completeness by X percent, further down the line, how much impact can we expect? And that opens up a much broader perspective and that helps the team both to get more motivated, but also linking their work to something bigger. For me, it's always a really good source of motivation and I've seen it in others as well, to know how you're making impact. Besides how you're solving your problem today, how does it change things in the real world? How do you make someone's life better? Or any kind of value that is hopefully generated by, by your work. And if the case is that there's not a lot of value being generated by this black box, I, I think it's also really good to know. And that is super important because data science work is still quite new on, in a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. That means that people are still figuring out what's the best way for data science teams to contribute value. And being able to look at your work as a black box in the value chain, being able to look at your company as a black box and see how your work contributes to that, allows you also to see is there any work that you are currently not doing that can potentially add a lot more value to your organization and vice versa, some work that you are doing today that actually is not worth spending that much time or effort on. Yeah, I think especially identifying new opportunities or identifying the problems to solve in this way is really valuable. So, in the typical tradition of the show, we are going to share one practical takeaway for listeners that you can apply tomorrow to your daily work. I guess this one is simple. Just draw a black box of your most important project. What is the input? What is the output? And when do we know that the output is good enough? Anything else? I would maybe just add to it that think about who's going to use your output. All right, so that's another episode of Naked Data Science, and thanks a lot for listening. Thank you, guys. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds.show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day.